It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. People talk about January being so slow, like the month that never ends. But I got to tell you, I've been cherishing it myself. In the cannabis world, things are moving at warp speed, and I need as much help as I can get to slow things down so I can get it all done. I'm also moving this month, which is neither cheap nor easy in this part of the world. I've spent a lot of time breathing through my anxiety and meditating to clear my mind of the scary pictures I paint in my head of all the ways I can potentially fuck my shit up. I'm city shopping on a timeline, y'all. I don't want to mess this up, but the clock is ticking. You know what I'm talking about. I'm feeling the pressure. (sighs) You've been there. Hell, I've seen some of you in the thick of it. And none of us handle that intensity of feelings the same way. Which got me to thinking about how cannabis is such a great catalyst for connecting with both myself and others. This month, I've been a little stressed and worried and ridiculous, but promise you I would have been nuttier than a fruitcake if it weren't for getting casually baked to level me out. My friend Ariana is dealing with her own satchel of shit, so I invited her over to talk about the role of cannabis as a connector. We do lots of giggling in this episode, which is great because laughter is another great way to relieve some of life's stress. Let's just jump in. Enjoy. Today on the podcast, I am joined by my friend Ariana. Ariana, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm super excited to be here. And the reason I have Ariana here today is, like me, she loves doing the inner work. And 
For me, winter time, it's the big reset button. It gets darker earlier. We want to just hang out and hibernate. I'm going to stop you, though. You said (laughs) she loves doing the inner work. Like, I don't love doing the inner work. Like, I do it because I know that it makes me better and because I watch people like you do it. I'm not like, oh, my God, let's do some self-help now. Journaling sounds like a great idea. That is not how I wake up. But I know that healthy people like you do these type of things, so I'm trying to do them. You know, it's funny. I got a call from one of my cohorts that I do videos with, and he was like, hey, what are you doing? Did I interrupt something? And I paused for a minute, and I was like, "Um, I'm just doing my evening journaling. And he busted out laughing. He was like, man, you really do all the right things. I was like, I try. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, setting my intentions at 8 o'clock at night and doing my meal prep for the next day and figuring out who I want to be this year and how I'm going to grow up. Yeah, it's important. And one of the things that I love most about cannabis is its ability to help me with my interconnectedness, to really hone in on what's happening in here, up here, and you know, and how I connect with people out in the world after that. I think it puts me, so, and I think about this a lot because I always want to make sure I'm doing things for the right reason. And I feel like cannabis puts me instantly into that state of feeling comfortable with myself in the world Mm -hmm. that I struggle with so deeply. I think we all struggle with it, like being so caught up in our heads. And it takes me into like, I'm here, I'm now, I'm okay. Well, and I think part of it, it shuts off the mind chatter and it lets you hear the softer voice in your head, not the one that's so loud. It shuts it off or it lets me hear it more clearly sometimes and I'm able to hear that it's ridiculous. I'm able to be like, oh, really? Is that what you just said to yourself? Mm-hmm. Like. Because that's not, that doesn't hold up to reality testing. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I learned early on in my wellness journey is do the friend test on my inner voice. And is that something that you would say to your best friend? How would you respond to your best friend if they were where you are right now? The friend or the sister or the mother or the like any woman that I love that I want to take care of and that I want to see take care of themselves, like if they were having these thoughts, I, I'm so much more able to give myself a break. It's important. It's important. In fact, um, I was sitting here thinking, I need to get casually baked. I always do before a show. And now I'm looking around and I was traveling yesterday and my stash bag is in my backpack. So I'm going to get that real quick. <laughs> Oh, shoot. My backpack's over there. I'm going to try to stretch. I will try to assist. Bravissima. Okay. Oh, on second thought, it must be in this bag that's right here. (laughs) Short-term memory loss. (laughs) Oh, well, no. It's normally my backpack, but I packed an overnight bag. Because I did an Ignite talk last night, and I talked about it on the podcast um, last week because these people had told me that my talk content made them a little squeamish. A little uncomfortable. Yeah, and so I pitched a secondary idea and said, 
if you're not feeling this, then I'm not your girl. What made them uncomfortable the first time? Because I said I'll do a talk on tips and tricks from a pot nerd, how to have the best experience, like learning that if you have too much THC in your system, you can take CBD to calm yourself back down, or, you know, the the keys to having a positive experience with cannabis. And, and so they didn't like the idea of it being about consuming and using and how to use it better. So I flipped it to let's talk about all of the varying wellness options for different diseases and, you know, common ailments that we have as human beings, pain, stress, anxiety. When the alternative is big pharmaceutical. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. When the alternative is is either psych medications like Xanax or like antidepressants or pain medications like opiates, even, I mean, even Men's Health Now is telling you like, oh, by the way, have you thought about cannabis? It's becoming more and more accepted, I think, in the industry. I think that people still bristle at the word pot. Yeah. I do. I still bristle at the word pot because my teenage experiences with smoking weed with getting high are not my experiences today as a cannabis consumer. And that's a big differentiator for me. I can totally respect that. And, um, people can't take it too far and just totally lose their sense of humor over it. Yeah. Like I try not to call it marijuana because for me, marijuana is the one that is like, okay, the prohibitionist, like stigmatized word that this whole campaign was built around. And for me, pot is slang that is not a derogatory slang term. Weed, to me, it does grow like a weed. Like, you know, I just think that those are acceptable terms, but I also thought it was fine to call myself a stoner, and my friends were like, no, please stop doing that because you're not, and so now we're casually baked. You're not in the way that most of us think of stoners. Right. Because most of us have such an, we either have a negative personal history or somebody in our lives has used drugs to check out and not to check in. And I think that that's the difference for me in how I watch you consume is you use it to check in with yourself, with everybody around you. Right. Well, and in one of the columns I was writing, it was about someone who was dating a recovering alcoholic. And, you know, they were like, how do I, how do I introduce this idea that I've been using cannabis to this person? And, you know, the one thing I've learned about people in the sober community is that it's about them. It's not about you. It's about everybody works their recovery program differently. And what I'm learning as a person who is in recovery, who's starting to also want to incorporate cannabis into my life is that I'm not the only one. And it's this conversation that we're not having in the rooms of recovery because it's still, most 12 step programs are still based on total abstinence. And there's some of us who work programs who have like really decided, okay, I know what doesn't work for me and I'm trying to figure out what does work for me. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, <laughs> our bodies start to hurt and we have different concerns. Like I never had pain management as a concern before. Yeah, but the CrossFit workouts you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I train like a ninja. So things hurt and... Um, and I know a lot of the MMA community is using cannabis and using CBD mm-hmm. um, yeah. for anti-inflammatory properties. And so it's like finding what works for what works for us as we age and as we 
pursue new things. And as we get less attached to the idea of ourselves as like people who, you know, people who have to walk this really, really stringent program of recovery. You know, and I want us to do a whole other episode sometime on that because I think it's something that people definitely need to talk about and hear and open their minds to. But like I said, that's an entire freaking episode. Um, I also would love for you to be part of a conversation where we talk about sports and cannabis and this whole idea of athletes being able to get in the flow. And like, and especially I was listening to um, a couple of MMA fighters talking at a cannabis conference I was at. It's a serious part of their training. It helps some form of like moderated cannabis before I train Mm -hmm. and I'm able to harness like whole new levels in my athleticism. I'm able to be more in my body and more in touch with my body and yet also push it further than I ever have. Mm -hmm. I love the ritual. Yeah, the ritual is nice and especially if you have good tools. You know, when I first got this Firefly, I didn't have this grinder, and Walden with Firefly was like, oh, yes, you need this, because it has the funnel, and the funnel exactly fits in this. So anyway, yes, you you have good tools, you have a good experience. So coming back full circle, me doing this Ignite talk last night. Um, So I was fired up that they finally were cool with me talking about cannabis. And so I was putting on a five-minute cannabis class. It's 20 slides, 15 seconds, auto advance. And I get up there. I'm the third speaker. I'm already nervous that I'm even doing it. Like, I get stage fright. Like doing talking on the was, radio or doing a podcast, like it's easy. It's people are going to listen at an alternative time and it is not live and in your face. And it was at the um, Hot Monk, so mm-hmm. and it was we were on stage in the Abbey, the music venue at the Hot Monk. <laughs> I get started, and as my slide starts to advance, it is spelling out each individual sentence really slowly. <laughs> And I'm like, um, I the 15 seconds are going to be over before all of the stuff's on the slides. Like, how's this going to work? And so it just really threw me off. Thankfully, there was a table and I'd brought some notes up there. And I ended up just riffing off of my notes and like having to throw in awkward jokes every now and again. Oh my god, I was just Tell me they recorded it. Tell me they recorded it. They did. I have to see this. (laughs) This is gonna be great. I don't want anybody to see this. No, it's gonna be fantastic because you are always fantastic. (laughs) No matter what. Well, I will say though, at at the end, people came up. We're gonna have a mixed bag because I ran out of that and it's not a full bowl. But people came up to me and were like, you did so good, like that was such good information. Like, I've been wanting my mom to think about this for her arthritis. Like, you know, can you send me that slide deck? And every business card I had, I handed out. And and then I had people asking me to write down the name of the podcast. The and, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm mortified and I will never watch that video. If I find it, I'll share it with you. Share it with me. My God. But. But it was good to, you know, something like that. I mean, frankly, it's impossible to teach a cannabis class in five minutes. But 
I tried to, I tried to succinctly talk about the endocannabinoid system and what are cannabinoids and terpenes. And then I dove into Alzheimer's and autism and cancer and lupus and diabetes and women's wellness. And I just was like doing 15 seconds on each one about like things to consider. And it was one of those things where, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, okay, I know I changed some minds. So I may have humiliated myself, but But, uh, you know, I shared a message I was passionate about. I shared a message I was passionate about. Somebody might be willing to at least get more information now. You know, the moral of the story too is some people don't understand or they feel uncomfortable meditating or trying something new or putting themselves out there. And part of the human experience is putting yourself in, you know, these uncomfortable situations that give you room to grow. And so I hope that that people can use cannabis as, you know, a vehicle to help them get to that place. Because when you are scared to death of something, you know, most people lean for liquid courage. But, you know, just microdosing a little bit of cannabis can at least make you laugh about... <laughs> I mean, I think if I'd have been drunk, I might have just mic dropped and right. walked off the no, stage. No, that would have just been like, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Go find entertainment elsewhere. Yes. But anyway, so we will, let me make sure this is pulling. I know you tried you know how this good the I am other with that. day. I'm so good with that, yeah. This is a great lesson for people with the firefly. This is one of the nuancey things about it. If you pack it too far, you can actually ignite it and make it burn, and then it tastes like shit, like everything else. You can't pack it too loose. You can't pack it too tight. So that's part of, you know, learning the finesse of using one of these. It's one of my not favorite parts of it. Nope. So anyway, I was listening to a podcast on my way home today. There was a engineer at Google. His name, I think everyone just calls him Mang because he said if uh, a Chinese name is longer than one syllable, nobody can pronounce it. So he just chopped his name up, name up for everybody. Well, that was nice of him. He learned about at an early age, I think he was 17, and he went to a meditation from this Buddhist nun, I believe he said. And he said from that moment, he just kind of connected and realized he wanted to be happy, like more than anything else. Like it was just all about being happy. And so he has just gone around and is spreading the message of meditation and being kind and being happy. And I think I just read an article on him. He's he fascinating. Was a, he was a, a systems engineer at Google or a developer. I, I yeah, I mean, all all of that might as well One be the same thing. Googly things. He's a Googler. He did like a yeah. Google type thing. His job was to make Google search on the phone a better experience. So whatever the hell that person is, his exercise that he gave everyone because you know at Google. If you're passionate about something, you can teach a class on it. I mean, if I was a Googler, I'd get to teach cannabis class every day. So he taught his little class about learning to be happy and connect and whatever. I mean, I don't know exactly. But his homework assignment for each person was when you go out into the world, as you see people and you pass by them, wish for them happiness. Wish them to be happy. There's a great meditation on that. Oh, I'll have to look up for you now. But it's about... You start with your circle of like the people that you love that are easy to love, 
and you wish for them happiness, and then you take it to like thinking you wish for happiness for somebody that you have adversity with in your relationship, and then you widen the circle and you wish for happiness for people you don't even know, and it's everlasting kindness meditation. There's like there's a few scripts to it. That's fun. It's super. It's great because you. It starts off not challenging and then becomes quite challenging to, you know, mm-hmm. wish for prosperity and peace and happiness for someone who's painting your ass right now. Yeah, absolutely. So when that stops flashing and deep yoga breath, I don't know that you're. You, <laughs> I always go cross eyed. <laughs> I don't know that I know well, how to can, use this. Well, you got some. Yeah, but you. But I go. Like, I watch you. But I watch you, and it's like you're you're not <laughs> breathing from here. I don't actually know how to breathe from here. All right, let's practice. Deep, like pull, like a yoga breath. Wait, after it stops flashing. Yes, silly monkey. Okay. <laughs> you know I don't do yoga, right? Well, I mean, I don't do much yoga either, yoga but I really get the concept. This is me off. Like, I, can, I can't sit. I'm learning. I'm trying to stay on my mat and just, like, be on my mat and just be with whatever happens on that mat. But yeah. I find yoga very challenging. Well, that's how most people find meditation because those two are so closely connected. I mean, I have to cheat with my meditation a little bit. <laughs> like, I have a few meditation hacks. How? Okay. I let myself do the six-breath meditation where I'm like, the, the idea of sitting down and like lighting a candle, and this all sounds very complicated to me, but I can stand in my kitchen and just pull into my body and drop my shoulder blades and just feel the breath in and feel the breath out and just sink into my feet and remember that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, great. In six breaths, and then I'm yeah. crazy again in two minutes, and I have but to remember good. again. No, that's good. That's exactly what you should be doing. I know. Right. I'm a person I mean, who needs these mini meditation breaks. I have a note breaks. on my workstation that says, release tension, set intention. Yes. And that's exactly what you're doing. And it's what everybody needs to stop and do. Like, we're all spinning in these circles of, like, you know, got to get all this stuff done and got to check all the boxes and have to get the kids a new tutor and make Pinterest-worthy dinners and get the dog groomed. And, like, adulting is really hard. Like, we all need to just take a breath. Like, adulting is tough. I see where adulting is really tough for my friends who are single moms or have kids and the pets and the whole thing. And I kind of feel like I'm cheating all the time. <laughs> you escaped adulting? I did. I, I mean, my adulting is me juggling probably 10 major projects. You juggle but a lot of project, a lot of contact, a lot of connection. But it's all stuff that I'm doing joyfully so that's why I feel like I'm cheating is because I go to work and you're I'm joyful because your dog doesn't smell <laughs> like I don't have a dog I haven't bathed my dog in a week and so yeah. there's that in the back of my head to like get the dog washed yeah you know and so it's the mindfulness that helps me just like okay like if my dog doesn't get washed this week I'm not a failure as a human being <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah but that's to me, those are minor things that nobody should worry about. Right, but people do. We do. We worry about these things. I do try to channel my inner judge out and just remember to live in the flow. But I think it comes way easier to a lot of us to obsess 
over all of the little things than it does to just pause and look at the big picture. It's true. And it really, for me, becomes all about choosing the perspective that serves me best in that moment. Like when I do have a fight with, I mean, because I do fight with people, I do get road rage, but my fighting with someone is going to mostly happen in my head because then I'm going to think, hmm, okay, where are they coming from right now? Because now that I live below one of my friends who's a single mom with her two kids and I know what she deals with every day and then she goes to work, that person that she might have an altercation with at work has no fucking clue what her life is like. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a huge eye-opener for me on that whole idea of Okay, whatever just happened, that is, that's not about me. And bless them. You know, as I say, bless, bless their, their heart. heart. <laughs> I channel that too. I channel that too. I channel you and Crystal. Bless their heart. <laughs> and, and then I laugh. I laugh at myself and my southern accent that doesn't exist that I pick up somehow <laughs> when I bless their heart. Yes, as you should. Mm-hmm. It makes life a lot softer and easier to deal with. And when people say the world's going to hell in a handbasket or, you know, like all these, there's a lot of terrible things in the world, but there's so much goodness. And if we all took the time to do that inner work, that stuff that's not a lot of fun, sit and be with your thoughts or to breathe. To me, I'm like, that's the most amazing thing ever. (laughs) I appreciate that I've been doing it. I, um, you know, I like having done the work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, oh, I love doing the work. I like yeah. having done the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way about working out. They like having worked out. They mm-hmm. don't actually like working out. Yeah. That's how I feel about my spot right now in my self-exploration slash third life crisis slash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, just even you saying that there are people that, you know, they don't like to do the work or they don't like to do the workout, but they like how they feel at the end of it. And I just kept doing it until I found a workout that I enjoyed because I don't want to not enjoy any part of it. I mean, I've tapped out of a date. I've tapped out of sex. Like, uh, yeah, this isn't working for me. Good about, you know, like I don't want to be anywhere that I don't want to be. Yeah. And I do too much hoping it's going to get better <laughs> because I'm replaying my sex life right now. Going, yeah. There's a lot of like, hang in there, girl. Like, like maybe, Right. I mean, we all just should maintain hope, but at some point, like, you can <laughs> pull the rip cord. Tap out. <laughs> oh, that makes me giggle. By doing the inner work, you can find a happy way to do it. Like you, you loved the journal, the, the, the journal. desire map journal thing. Mm-hmm. I'm still hating the yoga, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I'm going to find a version of yoga that I can do, whether it's like swaying around in my kitchen or. Well, I mean, I don't do yoga, but I do the poses. Like I stretch, but I'm like listening to music, watching TV. Oh, I foam roll while listening to a meditation (laughs) and patting my dog at the same time. Yeah. I'm a woman that gets shit done. Yeah. You can. Well. So having separate some of those activities and and just just doing one thing at a time for me is how I engage. Well, and you know that you just breathing and petting Roxy is a great 
form of meditation. Like, I do find the dog is a good form of meditation. I hate to be a cliche dog owner and be like, oh, my dog has changed my life. But my dog has changed my life. Yeah. That's why I don't have any anymore. I, my two dogs, Leo and Sadie, they they were the best dogs in the whole wide world. And they're irreplaceable. I don't want to replace them. Like, they're amazing. And now I, I go wherever I want. that used to have dogs. When, yeah. Now I'm a former dog owner. And I go wherever I want, do whatever I want. I don't have to pay anybody to dog sit or groom or there's no vet bills and it's blissful. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to do the little bit of, of required dog maintenance because yeah. I love having a dog. But kid maintenance, on the other hand, I'm like, wow, moms do some work. Oh, my God. Like, moms do some work. Some thankless yeah. work. Yeah. And then they go to work. Yeah. Because you have to do that now, too. Yeah. Being a single mom is... That's the toughest shit I've ever seen. I think just being a mom. You know, not being a mom, I have so much respect for everything that women give up to be moms. The thing that I have really enjoyed seeing is my sisters and their wives parenting. And it's like now that's how you fucking parent. Like two women parenting, like it, things are split up. It's equal, and they're rock stars at it. My two best girlfriends are raising four children in a one-bedroom condo in a really like incredibly humane and organized way. Yeah, like, I don't even know if that's it's real. <laughs> co-parenting, like women co-parenting. <gasps> I feel like there's an elephant <laughs> on my chest right now. Ugh. I couldn't do it. I couldn't no. do it. No, I couldn't do it. But watching other women do it makes me realize like just it's changed my relationship with my mom even just watch as my Mm -hmm. friends start to have kids and their kids grow up and watching them raise their kids has changed my relationship with my mom because I'm like wow I wasn't allowed to act the way kids act these days and you know in smartphones it's a lot of it's not their fault but we also grew up with some strict farming parents like you just there were yeah. I told a tape recorder to shut up once and my friend had to go home. <laughs> like, because I told the Fisher Price tape recorder to shut up. And I, I was so in trouble for that. Yeah. So I said shut up with it was the intention behind it. You know, mm-hmm. like very That's a actually a good segue. The intention behind the things that we do, that is the most important part of it. My tone is like a bull in a china closet, perhaps, you know, where I will get misunderstood in a meeting if I disagree with someone. I'm just brainstorming. I'm just I, I disagree. I think it's hard to, like, for anybody to take you wrong because you just look so nice. You're like, <laughs> you just you're you just look like a nice girl. I'm like, she couldn't possibly be trying to hurt me. Well, like, I can you, hurt <laughs> So it's like... I think that you navigate tricky corporate situations very well. Well, just I mean, just like this morning, I was having a meeting before I came back, and I was passionately disagreeing about something. It was like, okay, okay, like back off. And I was like, wait, no, that's that's not what was happening. (laughs) This is all just a game. Yeah, we're just stating what we think. Yeah. So. I mean, I hope that more people think that. I think you're okay. I think I'm getting better. My family will tell you that I haven't always been the kindest speaker of things. I have also been told that I'm rather blunt. (laughs) Yes, I think it's, yeah, I appreciate it. 
My sister once, though, pointed out very nicely in a very articulate letter that I needed to um, temper my honesty with compassion. Oh, that's that's nice. And that line stuck in my head clearly for 20 years. So it was an important letter. I had an important letter once. A little girl I was friends with at school sent me home with a letter and asked me to give it to my parents. And um, so I did. The letter said that they needed to spank me (laughs) (laughs) because I was being sassy. Oh, yeah. Okay, how old were you? I think like seven or eight or something. Oh, I love it. That's so great. But I like being sassy. I don't want to not be sassy. I don't know how to not be this. I I don't know how to not be 100% what I am. I had an ex the other day who said to me, he said, yeah, like to have any form of relationship with you is to know that you're in for 100% of the truth. Like no filter. And he's like, so you just know. No, I think it's important to have friends like that. Cannabis is a truth serum, too. <laughs> it helps you just not really give a fuck. So you're like, you know what? Like, if people want to be wrong about me, they can be wrong about me. I'm still just going to do me. Yeah. Because it helps you realize, like, mm-hmm. we have so little control over what other people think and what other people do anyway. For me, and I don't mean, like, a carelessness and like, not giving a fuck. I mean, like, there's a genuine freedom and like, people can be wrong about me. Because I'm going to be wrong about other people, too. Yeah. We can all just allow each other the grace to be wrong sometimes. Yes. And the openness to discover something different. Yeah. Being willing to be wrong. Mm -hmm. That was one of the most freeing things that I have done for myself. I grew up in a house where you needed to be right. We don't, don't make mistakes, like get it right, get it done right the first time, be efficient. Use the right tool for the job. (laughs) Yeah, and use a little bit of elbow grease, goddammit. And I just had to be right. And I know, I know, I know, I know. After my 20s, I got into my 30s and I'm just like, I'm tired of fighting to be right all the time. I'm tired of pretending to have done it before and pretending to be an expert about Um, life in general and having to be right. Yeah. That like what? I'm an expert. Like I taught myself this on YouTube. I'm fine. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need your help. And well, that's the part. I I don't need your help. I don't need your help part because Mm -hmm. you saying, Oh, I can do this. Like that's good. Right. That's empowering. Yeah. But to say, to take it to the, end of that continuum you go you get empowered and then you get and there's a little acting like you've been here before a little fake it till you make it which is helpful Mm -hmm. you know fake it till you make it yes helpful but also you start to feel like a poser (laughs) like I've been faking everything well but then you realize that everybody in the entire world is faking it and then you're like oh we're all just here doing the best that we can but if we could all just admit we were faking it it would be so freeing like i want to live in that world you know where your doctor's like you know i'm not really sure but based on what i've seen before this is what it might be yeah. let's try that out you know if we really all if we didn't have if nobody else was the authority on us but us mhm Like, if you were your own authority, like, if you really understood that you know best about yourself, like, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, if you're like, I am. That would be the truly utopian society. Right, right. Yeah. And I think if we all, we all had just, if you just do that for yourself. Again, another thing that was really hard for me was to not interject and tell somebody else how to do something. 
Just because you'd figured out the right way for you. Right. Because then we want to share. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're cutting an apple and be like, no, 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 that's, that's not how you do that, actually. Let me tell you the one right way to do that. And it's funny because then I go to family reunions and there's a bunch of us in the kitchen. That's because there is a right way to cut an apple. And, well, right? I mean, <laughs> actually, there are, I cut them in multiple ways. Depends on what mood I'm in. <laughs> oh, no. There's a very precise right way to cut an apple. No, are you going to say the slice where there's all those? Sometimes I just cut no. slices all the way through the whole thing. You cut it in half, cut it in quarters. You tip You're not, so we're that, not doing this. We're not. No, there's, there's not, a way. No. Because you cut the bottom off and then it slices perfectly. There are tons of ways to cut an apple. I promise. <laughs> Chef Paul taught me a great way. Oh, but it's that whole thing of like mm-hmm. you go home and you see your family and you might have learned how to cut an apple by your mom or your grandmother and, and then you go off into the world and you decide, hey, I want to cut apples a different way. And then you come home and they're like, whoa, 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 I taught you how to cut an apple. No, get out of the way. Let me do this. I had that same thing where I couldn't let somebody just do something their own way and to finally not have to feel like I had to be right and not have to feel like I needed to interject to tell somebody how to do something better. I just started being like, thank you for doing that because now I don't even have to do it. I can sit back and entertain you <laughs> with my wit and charm or I can do go do something else. Like, you know, that whole idea of not having to be in control of everything. Where are you on that? Well... <laughs> Well, so I've successfully planned a family dinner that I will not be chefing at. That is big. Mm-hmm. Right. I've allowed a 15-minute arrival window <laughs> because it is at a restaurant. No, just realizing that, like, for me, it, it's I'm, it's so second nature to just plan everything and let everyone know where they need to be and, mm-hmm. you know, this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. And. But not enjoying that process. I don't actually enjoy controlling the world. I know it's not effective. Well, and I think so many women are exactly like you. We don't act, We don't actually enjoy it. We want input. We just aren't sure how to let go or that everything won't fall apart if we're not constantly, like, holding it down. Mm-hmm. While I aspire to live in the flow, <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 it also terrifies me. Yeah. <sighs> I think microdosing cannabis is an excellent catalyst to finding that I guess that moment a little bit of humor well but that's it does all of those things for me like Mm -hmm. it it lightens my mood it's a natural mood enhancer it is nature's oldest pain reliever it you know it it does all of these things for us and I mean our endocannabinoid system it controls our appetite our mood our pain sensory, our memory, our immune system, by consuming this one plant in a very mindful and, you know, low and slow manner, we can set ourselves up for success. We can allow ourselves the opportunity to feel good and try something new and allow ourselves to not have to be in control. It does, you know, some people are like, well, I use cannabis for my arthritis. I'm like, no, you're, you, whether you like it or not or know it or not, you're right. using it for your whole body for wellness. everything, yeah. And so I think that 
the moms and, and the business power players who everybody that feels like they have to stay in control, look the part or feel the part or whatever. I mean, it's like that shit is just tearing your insides to shreds. You know, if it's if you feel bad emotionally, eventually you're going to feel bad physically. Just incorporating, you know, but even before you feel bad, just incorporating cannabis for wellness. And I use it in my morning vitamin routine, like consuming it just like I do. I'm about to add vitamin D to the mix. We can talk about all that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the vitamin D. Um, but yeah, so when I take my vitamins in the morning, I make sure I'm getting my mix of cannabinoids and doing the whole an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure method, keeping myself calm, cool, and collected all day so that I can have that voice that you always wonder what I'm up to. Uh-huh. You know? The JoJo giggle voice. <laughs> so I encourage all of you to try my method. Ariana, you are, you're, you're trying it. You're I'm, doing it. I'm on the method. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm living in the flow while holding on really tight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> To JoJo. Well, you keep hanging on, girl. I love it. Thank you for hanging out with me today. I, um, I've i had a good time talking with you. And I hope that y'all have learned a little bit about cannabis and connectedness. And if you have questions, I like to think I have answers. So either send me a voice memo or email me at ask at casuallybaked.com. And... Um, Thanks for getting casually baked with me. Anytime. You got your face fixed up nice with all those little, little colored lights. Doing the work of self-care isn't a walk in the pot, but it sure as hell is worth the effort. When I was young, after my dreams of becoming an astronaut were thwarted because my daddy wouldn't send me to space camp, I decided I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I read books of inspirational quotes and wrote down my favorites and tacked them under my sister's bed. I was a bottom bunker. Buffy had the top bunk. Bunk beds. That word makes me giggle. Oh, but I'm high. Anyway, my point is this. I've loved telling stories, making people laugh, and inspiring people to be their best self as long as I can remember. I personally aspired to get paid to be myself so that I could do this stuff full-time. What is the one thing that you love so much that you'd make time for it and be willing to do it for free when necessary? If you don't know what that thing is, meditate on that shit. This is the real value of doing the hard work. When you spend time connecting with yourself, defining and living your values, and finding, then doing the things in life that bring you joy, there's no way you won't have fulfilling and healthy relationships with yourself and everyone around you, even the ones you don't like. Head over to the podcast show notes at casuallybakes.com for some helpful resources and recommendations for checking in and connecting with the world. Kumbaya on cannabis.
Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, produced, edited by the team of Just Joe. Our theme music is by my handsome and fabulous friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with his music, check out his latest album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you are buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Hey guys, a little housekeeping. Um, Share your good vibes and please be patient with me as I'll likely be slow getting podcasts produced this month while I work on finding a new place to live and setting up my new studio. Until then, I love your guts. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows? Maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.